Good morning. I'm Randy. I'm one of the pastors here. <clears throat> Thank you for braving the weather to be here. You all get extra points for that. Thank you for coming. And if you are new to our church, I always like to remind you we have a little card right in the front. And if you fill that out, we'll send you an email just to let you know of some opportunities here. We won't flood your inbox, but we will send you a note because our mission here is to help everyone we meet take their next step with Jesus. In a moment, we'll be receiving an offering. It's one of the ways we worship God here. And I also want to remind you that if you put a prayer request on here and put it in the offering plate, we will, several of us, will lift up your needs through the week. We believe that uh, when we work, we work, but when we pray, God works. So please take advantage of that. It's our privilege to partner with you. So let's uh, lift up our hearts to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, we thank you this morning that we can worship you, and thank you for all the ways that you show your love for us day after day, minute by minute. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We praise you that we have received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places through Christ. That uh, as God the Father, you have chosen us before the foundation of the world. As God the Son, you have redeemed us by the blood of the Lamb. We are forgiven in Christ. As God the Spirit, you have sealed us, you've marked us, you've given us a new identity in Jesus. Lord, we confess that sometimes we forget these things. And we uh, hurt the people around us. We hurt ourselves by the choices we make. We make our choices, and then our choices make us. And so we also come confessing our sins. We know we're sinners by nature and by choice. We know that we're not worthy of your love. We could never achieve the perfection to reach you. And so we marvel that you took the initiative to send your son, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you for becoming a human being and living the life that we live and taking the penalty that we deserved. And thank you, Lord, that we can be forgiven, not because of any merit on our own, and we can be forgiven no matter how horrible a life we've lived because you simply choose to love us and extend to us the forgiveness of Christ. And coming to know you, we have a new relationship. Thank you so much for the indwelling presence of your spirit that empowers us for our daily living. Lord, as we lift up our needs today, we want to thank you for our middle school students. Pastor Keith and his team are out at Hidden Acres having a winter blast. We pray for their safe return. Even more, we pray, Lord, that you might do a work of grace in the lives of these middle school students to draw them to yourself. Lord, some of us have been sick. Some of our loved ones weren't able to come to church today because of flu or serious illnesses, and we just pray for their healing. We pray that you'd be with our congregation as we have a lead pastor candidate coming this week. We're so excited to welcome Brandon and Carissa and their family. Guide us, we pray. We pray for our government, Lord. 
so many times we see how divided our nation is, and we just pray for a unity amongst the leaders of our country for the well-being of their citizens. Father, only you can do this, and we plead on behalf of our country for you to work. Lord, we want to acknowledge that you have been so good to us. And as an overflow of that, we want to offer ourselves to you. We want to offer our time. That's why we're here to worship you today. We want to offer our gifts, our abilities, our talents. And we want to offer you our giving in our giving. May this be an act of worship in the overflow of our gratitude. May our giving please you. May we be hilarious givers. And may these gifts also go to share the good news both in our area and in other places of our world like Ukraine and Sarajevo, Bosnia and Athens, Greece and Turkey. We thank you, Lord. We pray as we... uh, have our time of offering and continue to worship you that you would be pleased. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, I want to welcome you again and welcome our online community. And as the offering goes around, I want to tell you that we're so excited that Brandon and Carissa Levering and their family will be here Thursday from Boston On Friday and Saturday, they'll be meeting with a number of our leaders. And then on Sunday, next Sunday morning, Brandon, Pastor Brandon, will be preaching both services. And he's going to continue right on in our series on Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. In the afternoon, there will be an open forum for you to come and get to know him a little better. And then at 3 o'clock... Our congregational members will meet. If you're not a member, you're sure invited to come. But the members meet, and then we vote. We vote on extending a call to Pastor Brandon. Now, I just want to say again, thank you to the search committee for all the hard work. We've been praying about this for over a year. I also want to say that I am thrilled. Uh, I've known Brandon for about eight years. We've worked together in training pastors to preach with Simeon Trust. And um, I'm delighted that he's coming here, that he's uh, interested in candidating. Our search committee, our elders, and our staff are all thumbs up. And uh, we we know you don't know him yet, but we're really looking forward to having you meet him. Uh, This is really a great day for Stonebridge Church. So please be praying about that. By the way, on our online community on Facebook, you can go on and see a video of his greetings toward us that uh, is available. So when you go home today, um, please don't do it right now or I'll notice. But uh, when you go home today, pull it up and and take a look at what he says. So we're really excited about that. And uh, if you have any questions, let me know. Can I ask a question? I'm going to. I'm going to anyway. Why pray? And the answer I want to give you on why to pray is because people need our prayers. People need it. You need it. I need it. I've been in a class called Perspectives 
on the world Christian movement. And one of the things we studied was uh, something called Authority in Prayer by an author named Dutch Sheets. I want to read you about this prayer. He was working in Africa, and one night as he was working in the hospital, a mother in labor passed away, leaving a two-year-old child and a newborn infant, premature baby. He said uh, they would have difficulty keeping this baby alive because they had no incubator. Uh, And even though they lived near the equator in Africa, at night there were drafts and they were afraid the baby would be chilled. And so he sent the midwife to get a hot water bottle. And uh, they would stoke up the fire, warm up the water, pour it in the hot water bottle, and then tuck that in with the baby to keep the baby warm. The midwife came back and said, the only water bottle we have is broken. It leaks. It's not going to work. And that was very difficult for them to hear because that was the last water bottle they had. So the following day, as he met with the children in the orphanage, he would give them various things to pray about, and he said, we need to pray for this little baby and the baby's two-year-old sister who's so upset that her mother passed away. And he said, we need to pray that the baby would be warm enough so that uh, she would not get the chills. And he said, and please pray for the two-year-old sister because she's just crying and crying because she lost her mother. So during the prayer time, now get this, during the prayer time, they're praying along, and a 10-year-old girl named Ruth begins to pray. And this is how Ruth prays. Please, God, send us a water bottle. It will be no good tomorrow as the baby will be dead. So God, we need it this afternoon. Now, Dutch said he gasped inwardly because of the boldness of the prayer, but then she added this. She wasn't done praying. She said, and while you're about it, would you please send a dolly for the little girl so that she'll know you really love her. So you get that? Please send a dolly too. Now, Dutch says, could I honestly say amen to that prayer? He said, I just didn't believe God could do it. He said, oh yeah, I believe God can do anything and everything. The Bible says so, but there are limits, aren't there? The only way God could answer this particular prayer would be by sending me a package from my homeland And he said, I'd been in Africa four years and had never received a package from home. And he said, not only that, if somebody sent me a package, who would send a hot water bottle to a country on the equator? (laughs) Now, I don't think that's an unusual feeling. You hear a child pray something and think, Is it really possible? Can God really do that? 
I imagine that uh, people who followed Jesus Christ in the first century in the city of Ephesus may have wondered too about a God's, a God's ability to answer prayer in light of the world in which they were living. Robin Tyner and I had a chance to visit Turkey and to go to Ephesus. And we stood in front of that massive library and could only imagine what life must have been like in the first century. Ephesus was at that time a port city, very commercially prosperous. The Roman imperial officers were there with the power of Rome. We saw evidence of that all over the archaeological site. And the worship of Diana, the goddess, was uh, collecting not only a lot of money, but a lot of loyalty in that city. It must have seemed as if God were small in light of all the powers of that day. We have the same tendency today. Why pray in light of all the problems, the powerful people, the powerful issues, the problems that we have? Why pray? The Apostle Paul had just written a letter to the church at Ephesus whereby he was bragging on God. He was saying, think about uh, this God that I introduced you to when I was in Ephesus. Paul had spent two or three years there. And he said, this God is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God the Father has chosen you before the foundation of the world. Your salvation is not based on your own merit or how bad you are. God was behind it. And he said, God the Son, knowing that we were on the slave block, sinners by nature and by choice, enslaved to sin and the death and the devil, set us free by the blood of Jesus. Jesus paid the penalty, set us free. And he said, God the Holy Spirit sealed you. When you came to know Jesus, the Holy Spirit sealed you. He put his mark of authenticity on you. He changed your identity. Paul is thinking about all those things. But he, know he, ha he knows he has a problem. People have a hard time grasping it, just like we do today. We see the world around us and the problems that we're struggling with, and we think, why pray? Not even God can do anything about it. Prayer becomes a last resort rather than a first option. So Paul launches off in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, to talk about why he is praying for the Ephesians and praying for us. Let's be honest. He says, we need to pray for others because they need God. They need to see who God really is. We're going to look at this. We're going to see how Paul begins by thanking God for the Ephesians, for what God has done in their lives. And then he's going to give us four powerful realities that he, pray, he prays we would grasp. Now, I just want to say, as you're turning there to Ephesians 1, verse 15, we're going to stand and read it in a moment. I want you to think about this. This is a prayer we need to be praying for our kids. This is a prayer we need to be praying for each other. This is a prayer we need to pray 
for our partners that are serving all over the world. We have partners that work with Muslims. We need to be praying this prayer for them. This is what we need to pray for our co-workers. This prayer is powerful. So let's stand and let's hear what God has to say in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. Hear the word of the Lord. For this reason, Paul is thinking about verses 1 through 14 that he just talked about. Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Lord, blessed be your word. May we know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. May be seated. So I would start right out, and we see here in verses 15 to 16 that when you pray for others, give thanks. That's what Paul does. He says, prayer, and you know, we should know this from seeing the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, prayer is a communal activity for followers of Jesus. So often my prayers, I'm sad to say, involve me, praying for personal things. Paul says, no, we don't need to pray for ourselves so much. We need to pray for others. God knows what we need. We need to pray for others. And he said, when you pray, give thanks. Paul says, as I think about all that God has given us in the spiritual wealth, in verses 1 through 14, for this reason, and because I remember your faith, you trusted in Jesus. When I came and proclaimed this God that was above the gods of Rome, you believed. And, he said, I witnessed the overflow of your faith in love for each other. It's one of the things you see is that amazing transformation, cantankerous, self-centered people who see the flaws in everybody, looking around, always seeing the negative. Once they come to know Jesus and understand that He loves us despite our flaws, and our sins, and work for our salvation, we become loving people. We learn to love people in our own home that are hard to get along with. We learn to love with neighbors. We learn to love people at work. We learn to love people who are different than us. We love because He first loved us, the Bible says. 
Paul is reveling in. See, he's looking at the things he can see. He's looking at the evidences of God's grace in their lives, and he said, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful. He said, a right relationship with God should lead to loving behavior. And he'll get more into this in chapters 4 through 6. Let me ask you a question. Are you grateful for the people of this church? Are you thankful? Do you look around and rather than looking at all of our warts and failures, do you say, well, I see the evidences of God's grace. I see God working there. How God is using them in our community and in our community at large. Intentionally give thanks. This is the way Paul prays. As a practical pointer here, I've learned through the years, you probably heard me pray this way just before the offering. I pray the acts of prayer. I, I would recommend it to you. I think this is, comes out in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus prayed the Lord's Prayer, and it comes out here in Ephesians. A, you begin by adoring God for all of His attributes. That's what Paul has done in verses 1 through 14. A, adoration. And then you move into confession. Lord, I see how great you are and I see how unworthy I am. I'm a sinner by nature and by choice. And the things I've done to people around me and hurt them and hurt myself, forgive me. I thank you. I lean on the, what Jesus did for me to forgive me. That's confession. And then we flow into thanksgiving, A-C-T, thanksgiving, and, and just making a list of things. I'm, I'm so grateful, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing and all these things. And then, and then supplication means praying for others. So we pray for the people in our home. We pray for our friends here at church. We pray for the people in our life group. We pray for our kids. We pray for the people at work. Supplication. We pray for our governing leaders. All these things the Bible tells us. This is what Paul is suggesting to us. Now, is that the way you pray? When you pray, do you give thanks to God? Do you deliberately think through the things you're seeing God do in the lives of others and just say, thank you, Lord? But Paul isn't content just to thank them and thank the Lord for them. He goes on to pray for realities. He prays that they would understand four realities that are life-changing. The first is, in verse 17, that you will know God. I want you to look at verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in what? In knowing Him in the knowledge of Him, in knowing Him better. This is the way we need to pray for our kids, that God would make Himself known to them so they know Him better. This is what we pray for each other. Uh, He mentions the Lord Jesus Christ here, the senses of His humanity. Have you ever read the gospel stories in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and noticed how it expresses the humanity of Jesus? how Jesus is both God and man, but in the Gospels, He is often in prayer, seeking God for wisdom and revelation. He prays all night before selecting His 12 disciples. 
And we are to imitate that pattern from Jesus, praying that people would come to know God. You see, due to sin, we don't see the Father's glory. According to Romans 1, um, human beings suppress the knowledge of God. And here's the opposite. Paul's saying, we need to pray that people's eyes would be open, the mind would be open to how great God is, the knowledge of God. And when he says knowledge, he doesn't just mean facts about God. He means to know God experientially. This week, Brandon and Carissa are coming. Up to now, you've received a program that's a brief biography of his life. You've been given links to go to his resume, to questions and answers that we've asked him. That's all well and good, but it's just words on a page. You need to meet him. You need to meet Carissa. You need to ask questions. You need to hear his heart. The same is true of God. So many people read the scriptures as just a biography of God. And it's one thing to know him. It's another thing to know him through experience as a living person. This is the way we need to pray for our kids, that they would see the living reality of God. And we pray for each other. This is so important. One day I went to visit my good friend Don Glanzer, who uh, is now in the Lord's presence. He passed away several years ago. But I went to see Don because he was going to have back surgery. And as a pastor, I thought I'd go and read him scripture and try to cheer him up and, you know, pray that God would give him peace. <laughs> I said, Don, how are you holding up? The rest of the time was him encouraging me. He says, oh, Randy. He said, I've been meditating on Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I mean, here's a guy facing back surgery. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He said, you know what that means? He says, I'm like a sheep on the hillside, and God has fed me so abundantly. I'm just sitting there going, ah, oh, I'm so satisfied in God. The Lord is my shepherd. And I heard him say that, and I think, that's what we need to be praying, that we would know God and be so satisfied in Him that when the problems come our way, we thought, yeah, but God is better. And when the attractive things come because our minds and hearts are pumping out idols to worship, say, yeah, but God is better. This is what Paul is praying. Our kids need our prayers to know God. You know, this little 10-year-old girl named Ruth, she's praying for this 2-year-old that God would send a dolly. Why? So this little 2-year-old would know how much God loves her. I love this prayer because it reminds me, I need to pray for you and you need to pray for me that we would know God better. His greatness, His glory, His power. Even more than knowing His gifts, which are a multitude, we need to know Him. Paul said, to know God is His highest goal, Philippians chapter 3. 
Paul was not an atheist. He did not believe God didn't exist. And he was not an agnostic, not sure God existed. On the road to Damascus, he met Jesus face to face. And from then on, he said, you can know God. And you can. But our prayers must specifically ask that people would see the reality of God and be satisfied in Him. Now Paul prays that we would know God, but then he goes on and gives three things that we can know about God that help us and things we should be praying for. So the second, besides knowing God, is that we know the hope of God's calling. Look at chapter 1, verse 18a. He says, having the eyes of your hearts, that's an interesting expression, enlightened or opened, why? So that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. So the heart is the place where uh, we feel emotions um, are the center of our drives, our cravings, the things we love. You know, it's funny how somebody can have a very rational thought and think, well, this is logical, and then act completely opposite because the heart reveals the cravings, the things we want. And whereas we logically think one thing, our fears and past experiences can get in the way and interfere with that. And it causes all kinds of crazy thinking. This is why we have biblical counseling. I'm so grateful for Pastor Jason bringing biblical counseling to us. We have a team going to Lafayette, I think, this week. And one of the things they learn is how the heart operates and how the Word of God can speak to the issues of the heart. This is what Paul is praying that we would see these things, and we'd see the hope of our calling. The calling of God is He comes to us in the gospel, extending an invitation to repent and believe in Jesus, but His Holy Spirit also woos us, calls us into a relationship with Him. But beyond that, He says, the hope of your calling, which is everything to come in the future. So in Titus chapter 2, Paul would say, the blessed hope the coming of Jesus Christ and what that means for our behavior today, knowing He's coming again. Paul is encompassing the hope of your calling in all that God gives us through Jesus Christ. This is amazing stuff. It's a confident hope. It's not the kind of hope that I used to have when I went in to take a science test. I hope I passed this thing. I hope I studied enough. No, this is a confident hope something in which we've placed our faith, anticipating Christ's return and all the blessedness that comes from it. He wants the eyes of our heart to be opened. So often in biblical counseling, people come in with stinking thinking. Their minds have, and their hearts have been led astray. And so by sitting down and working through what are the desires of your heart, they begin to see the truth, the truth of God at work. And it's life-changing. Some of you are living witnesses of what this can do in your lives. Paul prays this. We ought to be praying for our kids, praying for each other, that we'd understand the hope of our calling. To know God and the hope of His calling. Third, He wants us 
and prays that we would enjoy the riches of Christ's inheritance. The riches of Christ's inheritance. Look at verse 18b. What are the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints? Now, when I read that, I was thinking, okay, Paul is praying that I'll really understand that when I get to heaven and God begins to pass out these rewards, I'm going to get an inheritance. And then I studied it a little closer and I realized he's not talking about my inheritance. He's talking about God's inheritance. Look at it again. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? Now here is the amazing truth. God is looking forward to an inheritance and the inheritance is you and me. This is how it works. When Jesus came to this planet, died on the cross and rose again, and brings and gathers this family together, the family of Christ followers, when God looks at us, He looks through and sees His Son covering us. This is why we are called the body of Christ. This is why the church is called the bride of Christ. And what Paul is saying is that he wants us to get it, praying that we would get it, that someday God, Jesus Christ is going to take us to the Father and He will receive us as His inheritance. Now just think about that. I've been doing some reading on retirement. What do you do when you're retired? One thing I don't want to do is sit in my recliner and watch TV all day. That is, I would despise a life as a couch potato. I just can't even visualize that. So I'm thinking, you know, well, you're supposed to have a little more freedom when you're retired. You're supposed to be able to do some fun things. But when it comes to God and when He thinks about eternity and what He's going to enjoy, He's thinking about us. Do you know how valuable you are in God's eyes because of what Jesus has done for you? Jesus will take us someday and present us to the Father and He revels. He looks forward to that day. Paul says, I want you to understand this. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, that one truth alone should change the way you think about yourself. As you walk from this place today, you ought to be dancing to know that God sees you and me as his inheritance. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. You know, sometimes um, I, I meet with friends, and, and I've seen this, and it's just overwhelmed me. I, I walk into a, a dining establishment to meet with somebody, and some of my friends, they look up, and they see me, and they stand up, and they approach me, and they hug me, and I feel so good. I think, man, they can't wait to see me. That's the way God is viewing us. He can't wait to see us face to face. Anybody want to say amen to that? What a great God we have. To be able to know God and the hope of His coming, calling, and know that we are His inheritance. But there's a fourth thing. Paul prays that you can experience God's supernatural power. 
supernatural power, verses 19 to 23. He starts right out in verse 19 talking about this power. He says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? And he's using four words as synonyms to describe this power. The first power is the word from which we get dynamite. His great power toward us who believe, according to the working, that's a power word, that means it's the word from which we get energy, of his great might, a couple of words there mean inherit strength, and a word that means power that overcomes all resistance. He wants us to understand that power. You know, the world seeks power. We have politicians that are trying to be powerful. We have people who fear the power of an atomic bomb or nuclear bomb. And yet, we know a God of superior power. We know a God who created the atom. The God who created the universe has all things at his disposal. And this power he shares with us. He wants us to know this power that's available to us. Nothing is too difficult for him. And why do we need this power? (laughs) Because we're weak. Because we have enemies. You know that prayer is specifically related to how we deal with supernatural warfare, spiritual warfare in our world. We're going to get to that in Ephesians 6. So Paul is praying that we'll understand this power. And in order to describe it further, he says, let me tell you this. This power is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Look at it. In verses 20 to 23, he said, God revealed this great power by raising Jesus from the dead. In verse 20, he says, so that he worked, there's that word energy again, in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. So, did you get that? The same power of the indwelling Holy Spirit that empowers you and me is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Let that linger in your mind. And not only that, he says, because we're joined to Jesus Christ, to the resurrected Jesus Christ, we also have that resurrection power. And then he goes further in verse 21 and describes another aspect of the power. He says, this power is greater than all earthly authorities. Far above all rule and authority, verse 21, and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but the age to come. Whenever you see the word dominion in a verse in Ephesians, it's referring to the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is telling us that Jesus Christ, in his power, has authority over all the forces of evil in the heavenly places. He is the authority. God has given him that authority. He is at the right hand of the Father. Psalm 110, verse 1, describes that. I'm sure that was in the back of Paul's mind. Jesus is enthroned as the ultimate authority over all. That's the power that he has. The third aspect of this power is in verses 22 to 23. He says, this is the power that brings all things under his control, including being 
the head of the universe, the head of the church. He fills the whole universe. But in a very real way, he fills the church. He is the head. And by his filling of the church, by the power of his Holy Spirit, he displays to the world his superior power. This is why the authorities are so often shocked in third world countries and others where Christians are persecuted of the boldness and confidence of Christians. It's a beautiful thing that he upholds the whole universe by his power. We are his body. And even though we go through suffering, he promises to bring us home. You see, my brothers and sisters in Christ, do we understand this? Do we, when we pray for our kids, do we pray that they would understand the power of the resurrected Christ in them? That they would know God, that they would know the hope of their calling, that they would know the riches of the inheritance that God looks at them as they will be His inheritance. And that the power living in us is from the mighty God Himself. Oh, what a prayer. Are we praying that for each other? Are we praying that for our students? Are we praying that for our neighbors and for our co-workers? Paul says, that's what I'm praying. You follow my lead. Praise God for His amazing spiritual vitality, power for living. Paul prays for the past, the hope of our calling. He prays for the future, our inheritance. He prays for present power, and he's confident that God will give it. So here we have a 10-year-old girl named Ruth, and she's praying that God would deliver this water bottle, and you better have it by this afternoon. That's what she's saying. And not only that, we need a dolly for this two-year-old. So, halfway through the afternoon, Mr. Sheets is teaching in the nurse's training school, and a message is sent to him saying there was a car at the front door of his home, and so he rushed home, and their car was gone, but there sat a large 22-pound package. He felt tears welling his eyes, he just couldn't open it alone, so he called all the kids in the orphanage to come over. Forty pairs of eyes looking at him opened this package. Together we pulled the string, very carefully, knot by knot. Excitement was mounting. All these eyes glued to this cardboard box. When I opened it, he said, I brought out some brightly colored knitted jerseys. Everybody's eyes sparkled at that. And then there were some knitted bandages for the hospital. Everybody's a little bored with that. And then came a box of raisins, things that they could use to cook. And then he pulled out a brand new rubber water bottle. Now, he cried when he pulled that out because he said, I did not ask God to send it. I did not believe he could send it. But Ruth is in the front row watching this. And Ruth saw this 
ran toward the box and said, well, if he sent the bottle, then the dolly must be in there too. (laughs) Rummaging down through the box, she lifted out a small, beautifully dressed dolly. Her eyes shone. This little girl had never doubted. Looking up at me, she said, can I go over with you and give this dolly to the little girl so that she will know that Jesus really loves her? Now, here's the thing. A package to go to Africa in this day took five months. Packed by my former Sunday school class, whose leader had heard and obeyed God's prompting to send a hot water bottle even to the equator. And one of the girls had put a dolly in for an African child five months before in answer to the believing prayer of a 10-year-old that they needed it that afternoon. Now, my friends, God doesn't always work in such dramatic ways, but our prayers are way too puny. We pray for peanuts when we ought to be praying for continents. We ought to pray that people would come to know the living God. Let's pray with gratitude. Let's give thanks to God for this church that He's preserved for almost 61 years. I put a a slide there. Give thanks for this body of believers at Stonebridge and for how God is using us for 61 years to bless our community. And let's also pray that God would grant us a spirit of wisdom in deeper ways as we seek to honor Him with our decisions, especially this transition season. We have an amazing God. He wants us to know Him. The hope of our calling, the riches of our inheritance to Him, and the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Are you praying that for me? I need that prayer. Am I praying it for you? Are we praying it for each other? My brothers and sisters in Christ, let us pray. Let's stand together. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that Jesus is the head of this church. Thank you for the faithful ministry through the years in all the ways that you've shown your glory to us. And we're going to trust you, Lord, and we're going to bear down in prayer because we know we fight spiritual battles through prayer. And we thank you that you are an awesome God. Thank you for that encouraging story, true story of this little girl that trusted you. May we have that childlike faith to trust you for great things. Oh, may we know you and the power of your resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen.